Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Mark Botker. Jason. Matt Botker. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew is back again. Ayo. Back again. And today we are talking... You can't stop me. I can only be contained. For so long. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're talking about Moon uh, from, what was it, 2009? Yes. But before we jump into that, Ben, what's new? Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, so first off, uh, beloved actor Sir Ian Holm died last Friday, June 19th. The actor known for his roles as Bilbo in Lord of the Rings and Ash in Alien died peacefully in the hospital with his family and a caregiver at the age of 88. Uh, Home once said, I'm never the same twice, and I'm not a movie star type, so people don't demand that I'm always the same. A statement that is evident in his long and varied list of roles taken in film and on stage. He will be missed. So sad. Yeah. Had a good career. It, in more awful news... The highly anticipated sci-fi RPG Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed once again to November 19th. In a letter from the co-founder of CD Projekt Red, Marcin Iwinski, and the head of studio, Adam Badowski, the team said, Ready when it's done is not just a phrase we say because it sounds right. It's something we live by even when we know we'll take the heat for it. Why CD Projekt Red isn't just forcing their development team to work nonstop like they did for all the other games they've put, they've put out is still <laughs> unknown. <laughs> uh, and The Last of Us 2 came out, and if you're not playing it, you're an idiot. That does it for the news. For all of the latest and greatest sci-fi news, follow us on Facebook.com slash sci-fi cross-sections and on Twitter at SF cross-sections. Back to you, Overlord. All right. Thank you, Ben. Uh, so, as I said, we're here to talk about Moon. Um, Moon was uh, written by Duncan Jones and Nathan Parker. It was directed by Duncan Jones, starring Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, and Kevin Spacey. Uh, there's a few other <laughs> people in there, but I'm not going to name them because I think they had very, very small roles. Not that, worth mentioning. That was the correct number of Sam Rockwells. Benedict Wong. <laughs> That, yeah, Benedict Wong is in it, but... Out of nowhere. Yep. Duncan Jones is um, David Bowie's son. David Bowie was the original Space Oddity. Yes. Didn't know that. So You didn't know that? You did, oh. I thought everyone knew that. That's why I was just like, yeah. I didn't either. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I said it. Duncan <laughs> oh, Jones okay. is Duncan Bowie. Wow. I don't think Duncan's oh. his name either. He probably got it off a of yo-yo. Uh, it, no, his name was Billy. It's uh, Billy Bowie. His name Born is Duncan <laughs> yeah, Zowie Haywood Jones. Yeah, Zowie. 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 Ugh, I gotta go. Why? Why did? Why did they not give him his? his did he change his last name? And not probably. If your name was Wowie Zowie, <laughs> I would change my name too. <laughs> Wowie Zowie. I'm just young. wondering why it wasn't Bowie. I don't know. That seems so strange. I'm gonna do a deep dive on this. Bowie's original name was not Bowie. Bonnie Prince Bowie. I guess that was his professional. Oh, I'm sorry, name. not Zowie. Zoe. Zoe. I read Zowie too. 
Zoe Bowie? Because uh, his nickname was Zoe Bowie. Yeah. The W. That's what his father called him. Well, to be fair, I mean, if you were if you were a creative and you were trying to kind of forge your own path and you had like a famous relative or like famous parent or something like that, I could see. I mean, I don't know if that was his choice to kind of change his name or have like a professional like working name, but I could totally see it. I mean, I know a lot of like, you know, children of musicians or children of, you know, people that are big in film for one way or another, whether they're on the, you know, the, the camera side or whatever kind of uh they want to strike out on their own i mean i think that's respectable honestly. i get it i, I get mm-hmm. it but it seems that his birth name was duncan zoe hayward haywood jones so like well, you bowie's, why. bowie's true family name is not bowie it's jones oh it's not no oh no his name is david Robert. oh it's jones jones yeah you're right bowie i didn't was know his that stage name Wow. Okay. Well, people, today we're learning just things. Named Bowie. I. You never know. I don't. I don't know the British. <laughs> yeah, Jim was named Bowie. He invented a knife. That's, that's true. Bowie. Bowie. Jim yeah, Bowie. Yeah, but you get to look. You, you get to look it up, and his last name is actually Jones. <laughs> He's not an ocean man. It's Bowie. Jim Bowie. Bowie. Jones. Anyways, ocean man. Take me by I the appreciate, <laughs> I really appreciate <laughs> how off topic this has gotten, but we're just going to reel it back in here for a second. It was an ocean joke, wasn't it? So, oh, God. Uh, yes. So, anyways, the budget for this movie was $5 million and the box office was $9.8 million. I would call that a, a huge success. Yeah. Nearly double oh. its budget. That's good. Well, modest. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure it was all filmed in a uh, on a, a stage, and I think they did it in about a month. So not bad. And everything. The reason there are so few characters is because <laughs> they wanted to save the budget. <laughs> Just funny to me. But all right, Ben, what is this movie about? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Nearing the end of his three-year contract mining Helium-3 on the moon, astronaut Sam Bell is injured in an accident and rescued by himself. Together, the two Sams discover that they are part of a years-long line of clones who have been deceived by the Earth company who controls the station, Lunar Industries. This is Moon. I'm I'm, un- I'm very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Shit! It's a, it's yeah, a now, now Ben is mooning all of us. This is moon. <laughs> I'm just like I just want to be like with this like this is moon. <laughs> Stop trying to make the moon edgy. <laughs> Edge Lord Moon. <laughs> it's so flat and spherical. Oh. You've heard of Earth, but this is Moon. Continue. <laughs> all right, continuing. Um. Thank you, Ben. Uh, fuck. So I'm gonna be honest. I haven't seen this movie until a few months ago, and going into it, I only had one line stuck in my head. And what was the name of that Katie Sackhoff movie we watched? Another uh, Life. We, we see this 2036 every time. Origin <laughs> Unknown. That's the 2036. Yeah, I, I went into it hearing Jason going 2036 is if Moon 
was bad. Oh, <laughs> nice. I don't understand nice. what that means. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, you know, we should really all have a cheat sheet of Katie Sackhoff's movie and TV show because we seem to ask this every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get her on the show. And uh, Jason, the, look. Yeah, where's Katie? Uh, I've been, I don't know. Katie girl, hit me up. Anyways, hit um, me up. No, but actually, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I've always been a real big fan of that, uh, I guess, alien aesthetic. Everything's like white, but it's like a dirty white with that uh, like yellowish, almost fluorescent lighting going on. Right, like a, a real lived-in spaceship. Yeah. yeah, it's like Very, yeah, it's like a corporate space. Like they're like, you know, it would be great. Make it bright and white, and su- like everything will be wonderful. But then they put it out to actually have work done, and it gets all weird and gross. Get the damn moon dust on mm-hmm. it. Damn moon it looks dust. Looks like anything industrial. Mm-hmm. Just gets gets dirty. Well, let me ask so, you guys a question. Oh, go ahead, Ben. I just wanted to talk about the elephant in the room really quick, but like we don't have to. Is it um, Kevin Spacey? <laughs> what the fuck? Why? Why did you make me watch a movie with Kevin Spacey in it? Oh yeah, damn! Yeah, no, I thought thing. about that. I think we all. Thought about <laughs> I was that. like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah, fucking, fucking creep, well, hanging out in I, the space I saw station." His, or whatever. I saw his name roll across in the opening credits. I was like, "Okay, I didn't know. I'm sorry." One thing I will say: it feels essentially like they just took Kevin Spacey's voice and put it into like a micro Microsoft Sam kind of thing. Like, I did not feel comfortable with his portrayal at all you have to get to the moon yeah, here's the fam. thing <laughs> get, I, get to the I, moon. I assumed i i assumed the worst <laughs> like, okay, but the context of saying get to the moon, like he was never off the moon. Andrew, I need you to re record all of those lines and put it into your own, we call it the uh, WS Miller oh, cut. I was actually going to ask if, if Kevin Spacey's over at your house right now, Miller. I could just do the whole podcast talking like this. <laughs> so I really think that um yes, Sam Rockwell uh, did a really good job on this particular movie. <laughs> I can't do okay. that. <laughs> that's that's got to be my you new voicemail message. More emotion into that than Kevin Spacey did in Gertie. So. Our well, resident, uh, our resident synthesizer. So voice. trivia. I got a piece of trivia to that end. And I got a couple things I want to touch on with this movie, so I don't know when to interject them, but I'll, I'll do my best. But piece of trivia regarding the Kevin Spacey thing. He was not around at all during the filming of the movie. He only did his lines after the movie was already done. You know, I'd believe it. So they had a stand-in, and then... Okay, he, so he you're telling me you're telling me all of the cast and crew's children were safe? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yep. Good. Yep. Ben, I'll actually... No, no worries. I mean, when... when the, no, no worries. When I saw there was a 15-year-old girl in the cast, I was very worried that Kevin Spacey was involved. So, I won't stop dragging him, so don't ask yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, no, yeah. no, I'll no just, quarter uh, again. I'll just re-record <laughs> all of Dirty's lines in that that voice. 
honestly, like the Miller, Miller I would love to hear you as Gertie in Moon. The Miller uh, cut. I can't remember of any of Gertie's lines except for get to the moon, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, just that. if that's the only line you remember, then just, just do that for that. all of his lines. Honestly, no matter though, what I, the conversation is, get to the moon, Sam. I feel like they had Kevin Spacey do the voice of Gertie just so they could have his name on it because it honestly added nothing to the movie other than they hey, that's Kevin Spacey, when I heard Gertie talking. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. because his last name is Spacey, and it takes place on oh the moon. Oh my god, I <laughs> hate you. You're right. You're right. Why doesn't every sci-fi film have <laughs> Kevin Spacey? I, uh... I, I didn't, the thing is, like, I think Gertie was supposed to be some kind of likable, enjoyable character throughout mm-hmm. it. Like, he was supposed to be like, oh, the friendly, the friendly confidant. I never trusted him. I never liked, no. I never oh, liked boy. it for a second. And I don't know if it was like a miss, a miss, a misstep on the writing or if it was because it was Kevin Spacey's voice. I didn't, I didn't, it was like, I was like this, I, I immediately was like, fuck this character. I'm done. And up until the credits rolled, I was ready for like Gertie to shoot Sam Rockwell out of the fucking moon sky or something. <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, yeah. The moon sky. <laughs> they do. I, I have. They uh, do a really good job. I, I have of... a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say. I, I think they do. They just do a really good job of <clears throat> making him a computer and really not humanizing him. They even. I mean, they had the kind of nod at uh, Hal and everything, and uh, with him being like Gertie three thousand, and I feel like I feel like they did it. They did a good job of making him. You you suspect something, some wrongdoing is going to come from him, but really he's just a computer, and they, you know, humanize him by giving him a human voice, but he really doesn't. He's just there to do exactly what he did which was ask if he was okay and try to be some kind of emotional like like backboard for for sam but i don't want an emotional backboard with kevin spacey's voice i don't okay, want... i have a big point i want to make okay go ahead well i this isn't even one of the things i prepared but i feel like since we went there it's a question i want to ask so because we don't really have this pop up too much but i think it's kind of interesting so I'll preface what I'm going to say by asking this. Before we had this assigned, how many of you had watched Moon, and when did you watch it if you did watch it previously? Never. I watched it, I think it was like 2011. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I watched it between Same. 2009 and 2011. I okay. never right watched on. Yeah, this was but the first time it was, I this was a it. This was a Netflix okay. watch for me. I didn't see it in theaters or anything. Gotcha. So... I just ask because I watched this um, when it came out. I saw it in theaters, and um, I bought the you know Blu-ray shortly after it came out. So I, I watched it you know as it came out, and um, I think it's interesting because at the time you know if you look at like an actor like a Kevin Spacey, um, you know it, I guess there were accusations that maybe had been made, but they weren't given kind of the gravity that they maybe deserved at the time, or it just kind of got you know kicked under the rug or whatever but now knowing kind of what we know and you know having seen all of that stuff kind of come to light it's interesting and i think about it in terms of art and um artists art when they're kind of caught or embroiled in like you know that type of controversy or just you know uh comes to light that they're generally a shitty human being what is your guys thoughts of separating 
the art from the artist is that something you guys can do or is it something that kind of taints your view of it or is it something that's kind of maybe subconscious where you know you do your best to stay objective or try to stay objective but does that kind of color it anyway like looking back in 2020 at this movie made before these allegations came out and kind of the proof came out i guess that kevin spacey is in fact a shitty person and a predator um does that color your viewing of the movie or did that change maybe retroactively your your viewing of the movie or your thoughts on it? There's a lot of situations where I, as a white male, can kind of, like, separate the art from the artist. And I know, like, as as society may mention now, like, I shouldn't be allowed to do that. Kevin Spacey is not one of those. Like, Kevin Spacey is an all-around trash human being, and I don't want to give him the attention he deserves. Uh, he's He's been caught. He's, like you said, proof has been shown at this point and worst of all and and even still even still i could probably look back on his work and be like well he did some good work here if it wasn't for his cocky ass weird sociopathic shit where he came back as frank underwood and started posting videos talking about how he's gonna get everyone for for wronging him not to mention key witnesses in his case dying straight up dying of quote-unquote suicide like, the dude is an ultimate scum, and, like, like Alec Baldwin, could I separate Alec Baldwin of the art from the artist because he yelled at his niece and threw out some, some derogatory terms? Yeah, I could probably do it with Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is maybe a piece of shit, but I could separate the art from the artist. But Kevin Spacey is just full-on scum-of-the-earth trash human. So with that being said, then, if you look back at Moon, does that affect your view of Moon as a film, the fact that he's in it? Or can you look past, like, because that's the thing, I guess, I look at it like it's unfortunate for, like, the the Sam Rockwells and, you know, everyone else um, in the film, because obviously they put a lot of work into it and it's kind of tainted, you know. I know, like, when the Kevin Spacey stuff kind of broke as it happened, there was a few productions that he was involved in, and it was kind of like, you know, Obviously, there's many more people than just Kevin Spacey working on those productions, and it kind of ground all that to a halt. So, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting situation to, to bring that no, up. No, so yeah. Guys sorry, thought. I misunderstood. No, I I would never take away from the work that Sam Rockwell or Duncan Jones or all of the crew and all the rest of the cast did in this film. They, they all did a wonderful job, and we're going to talk about that. But uh, it, 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 does, it does hurt the film in having a character who we're supposed to like and... Uh, find consolation in not be that simply by having the voice of a notorious pedophile attached to it. I feel like his, for me, his voice was, I mean, it's not fully himself. It's the, the voice is so, you know, ripped from reality that it, it doesn't ruin it for me in this case. I think there are a lot of movies that I wouldn't go back and rewatch that are it's unfortunate because there are some really fantastic movies that I would like to rewatch in the future, but I feel like I just won't at this point. Except for maybe Seven. I think I'd still rewatch Seven every once in a while. His role is very also the villain, minimal so it's easy to hate him. Well, yeah, I was going to say he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a creepy. <laughs> yeah, he's a creepy he's, kind of It's easy yeah, to seven. hate him. Yeah. yeah. He, he plays himself in that one. <laughs> yeah, honestly, though. Ugh, but. That's a good point, though, Jason. We should yeah. probably talk and, about the good stuff. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. You had something to say. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, for me, I feel like I 
I can't even actively say whether I could put that aside because I didn't like his performance in this to begin with. So I don't know if that's already tainted by it. There you go. Like <laughs> I just I sure yeah. I personally felt like it was a bad Hal ripoff. Like he was trying so like the director was trying to make it so much like Hal, but with Kevin Spacey's voice, and it just it felt weird and like a really just I don't know a stupid addition. Like it didn't feel right in in the situation. But I don't know if that's tainted by my view of him too. So I can't give you an honest answer on that. The human mind is an enigma. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the bad. Let's talk about the good. Um, I thought Sam Rockwell was fantastic in this movie. He, uh, I always love it when an actor gets to play two different characters in the same shot. See how it, like each take is done differently and whatnot. I fuck it. He was literally playing two different characters the whole time. Yeah, they're both Sam, but they're it's three years in isolation, Sam, and yes. like hot headed needed to go to the moon because he just made a mess of his life, Sam. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought well, he did a great job. Sam Rockwell's a great actor. I mean, really, I I think he's underrated. Um, I've always enjoyed him pretty much in everything he's been in. Um, and right around this time, uh, he was absolutely crushing it um, with kind of these, like, I don't hesitate to say, like, full-on indie movies, but just, like, really interesting roles where he was kind of reaching and doing some cool stuff. Um, There's another movie he was in right around this time that was super good, and I'm trying to find it. I forget exactly what it was called. But it was based on a book, and he was super, super good in it. Because I remember I was like on a Sam Rockwell kick for a while, and all these movies came out around the same time. Um, but yeah, I love him. I just thought he absolutely crushed it. And that's got to be like a dream for an actor, but at the same time, obviously puts a lot of pressure on the actor to, you know, I guess play against themselves or make that believable. Um, I think, you know, obviously, really, there's only two people I think have really done it well. You got well, Lindsay Lohan, crushed it back in the day and then uh sam rockwell really i think that's about it jason was the movie you're thinking of g-force no um <laughs> i assumed it was because that came out in 2009 as well and he is voices one of the guinea pigs in g-force oh. <laughs> it wasn't g-force i'll find it it was probably it the was, winning uh, season then but um well, regardless of what it was, I think what I loved the most about Sam Rockwell in this movie is the um, the power of solitude changing who you are for the better. We learn that, that Sam Bell has not been a very good person. Um, he often flew off the handle, as they say it. I take that as code for he was an abusive asshole. And he is seen to be abusive towards his older version of himself. Uh, the, the young, the young version of Sam Bell is mean and violent towards the older Sam Bell, who has who has become neutered in in many ways, but also um, has also has you could tell has learned how to keep control of his temper, learned how to uh, to find 
solace in being alone. And I think that's something to be said is that a lot of these, a lot of these movies that we watch are kind of like about how we need humans need humans to kind of survive and get better. But no one ever talks about the fact that sometimes you need to separate yourself from everything in order to reflect on who you are. And I think that was kind of something that was going on there. There's a lot going on in the movie, but I think that's a little a little something that they, they had, at least. That's how I interpret it. The movie was Choke, Ben. Came out in 2008. Not G-Force. It was probably G-Force, though. <laughs> no... That he was also, really good he point, also though, voiced he also voiced the guinea pig in the video game. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Was it G Force the video game that you're that thinking? Might of? Have been that might have been it. That might have been. I was doing a lot of crazy crazy stuff in yeah. 2008 2009. So I don't even remember what country I was living <laughs> in at the time. <laughs> um, I had a point I wanted to bring up about uh, kind of my memories of the time. Of course, I'm going to say that right after I say I don't remember what country I lived in, but that's all a lie, guys. Let's be real here. Um, so when you look back in kind of that time frame, I think it's worth pointing out that there were two kind of like rising stars or like rising lights in uh, kind of that indie sci-fi sphere at the time. You had Duncan Jones, who kind of came to the fore with this film, and this was very positively reviewed. You know, it wasn't a huge film by any means, but I think um, it was seen as a really good film and very inventive in a lot of ways. And then the other one was Neil Blomkamp coming off of uh, District 9. And I remember they came out pretty short order, and it was kind of like, you know, the world is uh, the oyster of these two directors. And I remember there was a lot of talk about what are they going to do next? You know, what are they going to do next? I think it's kind of interesting. I just wanted to bring that point up to you guys. um, Because again, kind of get another bigger picture thing, kind of like the Kevin Spacey thing. Um, But from like a philosophical standpoint, what do you guys think about like maybe the, um, the, how is the best way to say it? Maybe the, the power of expectation or how that maybe can shape a career or, you know, if you're in that position where moon was your first film and then the expectation or kind of the onus is on you to prove that, you know, you're, uh, if you feel like you need to prove that you're, you know, the, the second coming of, you know, Kubrick or something like that. Um, what you guys think of that? Cause interestingly enough, both filmmakers kind of went on to do some things, but they never really, arguably capitalized on kind of their initial offerings. I was just kind of curious what you guys thought. You you can be impolite. They both failed. <laughs> they both were have created subpar films since their since these films. Neil Blomkamp has created one film that I have seen since District 9 and one film that I haven't. Um the one I have seen was Elysium and it was terrible. And the one I haven't was Chappie, and I had no interest in seeing it because it looked terrible. And Duncan Jones has done Warcraft and what else again? Mute, Mute, which which he said which was, was a, a spiritual so successor. I still haven't seen Mute. Same universe. Source Code. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Source Code. Mm-hmm. Source Code yeah, was interesting. Warcraft. Yeah, I, I was just talking with somebody about Source Code. Yeah, it's um got Jake Gyllenhaal in who uh, who I really like. Warcraft was a commercial success. At least. For, uh, Where's yeah. the sequel? Uh, it didn't make that China. much money. It was 160, 160 <laughs> budget or $160 million budget and then 439 box office. So it was successful. It just... Yeah, that's sequel that's successful. That's sequel successful. I just don't think they were, they were expecting like a billion dollars or something. Well, it took them over... It took them over... 
30 years to actually have a proper Warcraft movie. Yeah, they really didn't like, they didn't strike Warcraft, while the iron was the hot. The reason they haven't greenlit as a sequel is it it was it was a commercial flop in the United States. No one fucking went to go see it. It's uh China is where it did mm-hmm. really well. Ah. Yeah. That's why I made the joke. Oh. Yeah, I don't there's uh it's it's tough. It really is. I think what it what it, this statement really is is that these directors need to pull back from these big ass big budget films and go back to what they excel at, which is having a minimal budget. Well, that's what that's kind of what uh, Duncan Jones did when he made Mute. I still, um, I, I don't, I've never even heard he of that. something he wanted to go back to. It, what, it I did very up. poorly. It, it, it more or less got panned, but it's actually set in the same universe as Moon, and there's a really? third part planned. It's a, Wait, it's, it's like a sci-fi It's noir set in the same thing. universe? Yeah, it's not a sequel, but it's set in the same Supposedly. universe, I, like a spiritual successor, if you will. Holy but, crap. Yeah, apparently did very poorly. Um critically and commercially so I, I don't know i just i thought it was kind of interesting i want to bring up as bad as it sounds i forgot that he did source code um <laughs> so i'm thinking he went from moon to warcraft but i think source code was a big part in how he was able to get warcraft but i just remembered it seemed like he scaled up so much you know we went from one extreme to the other and uh warcraft to me i mean i i didn't i didn't even see it but i know it was kind of middling just as far as whether or not it was viewed as kind of a good movie or something that was worthwhile watch sounds like it made some money um obviously not here but you know same thing too i know this isn't a neil blumkamp podcast but he kind of to me it struck me as them being cut from the same cloth at the same time because i remember right around this time and i think we brought it up we were talking about like uh, sunshine uh, a few weeks ago and it's kind of the same thing you know same time frame that like late 2000s um it was almost this resurgence of this type of sci-fi where in some instances it was kind of small scale stuff but it was more you know a return to kind of human stories big big ideas kind of that 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 return to form after a while where we didn't really see quite as much and it was kind of more blockbuster driven so i don't know but it seemed like over the next decade you really didn't see much materialized that kind of i guess um was like a uh, return on the promise i guess that those directors were kind of showing around that time frame yeah i i, I you know I, I haven't seen this mute movie um i'm interested in it i haven't seen it but uh, I I still stand that these big budget films don't work for many kinds of directors. I'm not saying big, big budget films don't work because there's plenty of blockbusters that I've seen and have enjoyed. There's plenty of blockbusters that we've reviewed, I think, on here and that we've enjoyed. But um, there's some directors that just don't have what it takes. It's like when an English teacher challenges you to take this paper that you've written in 10 pages and tell you so to cut it down into five pages and it's not because they're being mean it's not because they're they're uh, being too strict it's because what you just wrote in 10 pages could have been said much better in five and i think that's a lot of that's the case with a lot of big budget films at the end of the day is what you did with that 500 million dollars you could have done much better if you only had 100 million because you would have found better ways to do it. And that's how I just feel about movies in general for the most part. Oh, totally. I mean, that's just like uh, with Vast the Night. I think we said the same mm-hmm. thing. You know, very 
low budget, but also ended up being, I think, one of the more inventive movies that we've watched oh, yeah. this year or any year recently because of their limitations kind of built into it, baked into you it. You show how resourceful you are with those sorts of limitations. Absolutely. Yeah, and like Origin Unknown, you know, when you got a real small budget <laughs> like that, you could just... I'm not saying it's always true. Obviously, I know, I know. you can have a flop. Okay. I mean, like I said, look at Mute. Apparently, Mute wasn't good. And yeah, like, sure. But you know what? If Duncan Jones had done consistently small budget pieces after Moon, he'd probably have more hits than misses at the end of the day. I agree. I agree. I think maybe, you know, going to a big budget and just getting comfortable with that and then just being not as resourceful yeah. and going back. I mean, when you have all the money in the world, and then all of a sudden you have to make something that doesn't have all the money in the world, you you feel you feel handcuffed, and you, no matter who you are, you forget where you came from. At the end of the day, you'll forget how you did things before you had money. You know, it's just who we are. We grow complacent in in the world. I forget how how I did things. I actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I forget how I did things on a fast food minimum wage job. I don't know how I paid for things. Not, And I get it, I didn't have rent or anything, but I still don't understand how I paid for things. And I think directors who get thrown onto big budget films end up the same way. They're like, how, do, how did we pay for this in the past? It's like, well, you didn't. You found another way to do it. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're not as hungry when you've got the, you know, three hundred million dollar budget or whatever, when you're used to making these indie productions. I mean, same thing. You know, I, I think of like a lot of these directors when they come in, they're real hungry. They're more about the ideas. They're more about making it work. And, you know, I mean, you guys know that. Like, I've, I kind of always defer to you guys because you're the filmmakers. I'm not. But to me, I would think, you know, if you know you have a shoestring budget, you're going to do do the best you can to kind of get your vision across. Whereas if you know you've got an effects budget and you can just cgi everything in and you know 50 fucking spaceships you know descending from whatever like now it doesn't the onus is not on you i guess being as creative at the end of the day or inventive keep coming back to that word because you can just do it so i mean warcraft i'm sure you know you're you're not as hungry making warcraft as you are making moon not to say you couldn't be but i think in you know in this case you're not we also have to I don't know if you guys know anything about the Warcraft movie, um, but he, the final product was not what he wanted. Uh, Blizzard kind of forced him to release the product that he did. Yeah, I've heard that as well. So It, it definitely was a movie to me that suffered from, it felt like everything was green screen. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the being directed to work in a space and make it feel like like it's a bigger space than it actually is. I don't know. I'm try I can't think of that. Like uh blocking the way they the way that they <clears throat> set up the scenes. They felt like it was green screen. It felt like it was just a flat floor with a big green screen behind it for like 80% of the movie. And it just killed it for me. Well, speaking of those well, of Oh, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just going to say, and maybe I'm going the same place you are. So in terms of, you know, speaking of inventiveness, I know that one of the things that really struck me about Moon, uh, even on my first viewing that really like left me leaving the theater just, you know, with my jaw on the floor 
was the fact that most of the film was all practical effects and it was models and it was miniatures and you know it it, it was very very reliant on physical effects and and physical things that the actors or and the production team were interacting with as opposed to cgi shots um and i i remember watching when i got the blu-ray like watching the making of featurettes and everything and it's just really really cool you know they show like old school model work and like stop motion shit and all that type of stuff and just really cool the way that they kind of lend even like uh, with the rovers and like that type of stuff like uh how they make make it have that sense of kind of like weight which is kind of different obviously because they're on the moon you know gravity is different but like that kind of i feel like really goes back to that sense of inventiveness that we're kind of talking about like it the look is cool and it's a throwback but it's very unique and it certainly didn't look like anything that was coming out at the time and i think that was part of what really cemented moon as like a you know a holy shit for modern sci-fi and why it was such an important one for me because it's just so cool and so different and it really did have that different look because you could sense that what was in frame was actually being filmed it was actually in frame it wasn't like mark just said you know a bunch of cgi or or actors in front of a green screen and say okay hey yeah work with this or make it believable it was actually physically there which is cool that the entire base was a uh, an actual like 360 degree set which that's got to be great to work in for the actors and stuff to really immerse them in it so that's cool i didn't know that yeah um Honestly, like doing shit like that, like believe it or not, is is at the end of the day cheaper than building like green screen shit or or even like shooting half a set because what you're doing is you're saving time. It makes it makes setup and teardown so much easier between shots. So you can just kind of like flip around instead of like, okay, we're done with this side of the set, let's fly in the other side of the set. Like you could just flip around really quickly to the next uh, to the next shot, and it saves a lot of money. Which, once again, people would do if they had less money to work with. Yeah, it's hard. It's harder work, but you know, whatever. All right. So. Oh, do you have anything else to add, Ben? I want. Oh no, I was just gonna. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. I wanted to comment on what Jason said. I'm. It's glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that. they use like the miniatures and and uh, stop motion, like you were saying. I was thinking about it at the time when they were on the moon. the The way everything felt, it seemed so physical and it looked so real. And I know that was not, you know, you can always kind of tell. Like it's getting better, but it's still you can kind of see it. But everything everything looks so good. And I thought about it at the time, but by the end of the movie, I lost it. You know, so I'm glad you brought that up. That. Those effects, everything was practical and looked fantastic. Yeah, and it was a big point. You know, if you, if any of you guys want, I have the Blu-ray. Like, you're more than welcome to borrow it. Um, but it's really, really interesting when you watch some of those making of kind of featurettes because especially now knowing where, like, our, our Duncan Jones kind of went in the time in between, um, you can definitely sense that wanting to, wanting to create something, kind of wanting to get out of his dad's shadow. That's kind of why I mentioned that, uh, wanting to, you know, be kind of seen as an artist and a creator in his own right. And he had that hunger, you know, he had that vibe. He had that, yeah, this is, this is a story that needs to be told and I'm going to tell, tell it and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to kind of make it come to fruition and make it come alive. And he was very big proponent of doing it in that way. 
and in you know making it i guess as practical and as physical and tangible as he could so like that was there then um obviously things shifted or whatever and who knows why or maybe you know that was just another goal he had to make like a big budget warcraft type film um i don't know if, if any of us had the opportunity to do that would we do it or would we not i don't know i mean like i said i i, I don't know if if someone was going to give ben 200 million dollars to make a <laughs> a movie would you do it and do you think you could do it justice i mean i don't know but i just think it's interesting to kind of note the contrast because um, I did not see any Warcraft special features, but I would have to imagine, based on like what Collins said and everything else, it was kind of a contentious process for him. To answer your question, sure, but I'd do my damnedest to come in under budget, because with two hundred million dollars, you don't need anything. You don't. You don't need half of that at the end of the day to make a fucking movie. Um, what if you want Andrew Miller to star in it? <sighs> well, two hundred million dollars. You don't need isn't a third enough. of that. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) uh, All right, so one more thing I want to talk about, guys, is uh, I guess the scientific relevance of this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's all I really have to uh, say about it. This movie was actually put on like a lecture circuit for NASA. They actually brought in, they screened the movie at NASA, they brought in all the... uh, I guess the production team behind it and everything and did a Q and a, um, yeah, that's like something NASA's working on is going to the moon and mining. Yeah, what do you say about it? Helium three is a real thing. Yeah. He- helium three. Yeah. Okay. So that is, so I was wondering about that. Like helium three is used in fusion. Is that like real or is that, was that kind of like a mixture of different science aspects? I mean, the Earth is running out of helium, and the moon does have helium. So theoretically, you could mine the moon for helium for Earth applications. But, I mean... As far as I understand, it's more just a theoretical power source. Because, like, fusion isn't really attainable currently, but... Right, because our governments won't invest in it. (laughs) Full, just you gotta say it. Mm-hmm. But helium would be a f- prominent fuel for that. So it's one of those where it's a, in the future, this could be crazy good. And the Earth, because of our uh, magnetosphere, doesn't capture helium-3. So the moon would be the place to get it. So it's one of those where it's all a, like, holy crap, yes, this could be an amazing future fuel. But it's not currently useful well it's kind of interesting because the the whole idea of that actually pops up in a few different uh science fiction kind of media from around that time um it was mentioned pretty prominently in the mass effect games if you guys recall that it was also brought up in dead space so a lot of this kind of like science fiction where it's like very speculative stuff where they're looking out you know a century or two centuries um a lot of it kind of was to do with that as a potential energy source. So that was kind of interesting because it seemed like right around that same time, like late 2000s, early 2010s, it was like I was seeing helium three mining popping up in a bunch of like video games and shows and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, interesting. I think it actually is mentioned in Expanse, too, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't this isn't moon set in like 2040 or something? Yeah, it's not that far no. in the future. No, moon is set. Um, 
Sam Rockwell. Is it 2034? No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Sam Rockwell, um, he when he's going through the dates of his old shit, it said 2009, 2006. Um, I believe, so with her, I think it, he got there in 2006. I think he arrives, uh, he, he got there in 2006. It's 15 years after he first got there. So it would be 2021. 2035. The film takes place in 2035. Oh, well. Then I'm a fucking idiot and I'm done talking. Sorry, I just looked it up. Sorry, I followed context clues. Hey, hey, man. I'm just proud of you for trying. I just wanted to... So, let's talk about the commodification of humanity in moon right like that's kind of like the most interesting aspect i think the reason why this this episode has been super boring so far is because that's like the the most interesting thing and we haven't touched on it yet um it's like the future of so so in the future it's basically saying in the future we won't they won't need laborers they will will only need one person who is trained for the proper job and from there, we can commodify that into a resource. It's it's no longer... It turns labor into a resource at the end of the day, right? Right. Well, I mean, that's already what it's seen as, you know, it's viewing labor as a resource is, you know, it's uh, leveraging resources is like, if you... So, I believe that the bigger point is the... Um, dehumanization of people who work for a corporation so you know you have the people at the strategy level like benedict wong in this um and then you have you know the people actually working and they're like oh great my asset blew up you know or oh great we lost an employee you broke an employee now what you know that sort of thing so viewing things as a resource to be leveraged rather than human beings which i think is honestly Honestly, I think that's an, I mean, if you really think about it, I'm going to get on my whole, my whole soapbox here. Is that okay, everybody? Can I do that? Sure, but I do have a follow-up, and maybe, maybe, maybe this goes with what you're about to say is, was Sam Bell, were any of the Sam Bell clones even humans? Do they count as Oh, humans? yeah, I was going to ask if clones are, if one, clones are human, and if not, who owns the clones? Does Sam Bell on Earth own his clones? And is he renting them, renting his DNA out to this company? Because he's collecting the royalties on Earth for, for these Sam Rockwells. He's he's collecting money off that. Surely. Surely um, he is. So are any of these clones consider considerable to be human? Um and then if not, or 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 I guess I guess postulate and then uh if not you know do are do do we own our dna are we you know can we make our clones forced laborers i mean yeah they are I, my i would posit that they are and i think the way that they, that they are human through is just to be clear they are human okay. absolutely because so as we've kind of talked about um uh, I forget what it was. We did a little while ago, but like kind of the idea of like consciousness and say, if you had a, a 
consciousness that was inside some sort of machine and you know uh, consciousness could say be copied and you could just kind of put your consciousness in a different machine body or vessel or whatever you know does that constitute a person or does that constitute personhood or whatever well then you start getting into you know you're talking about ai you're talking about technology it obviously it's a mechanical kind of system whatever or i think we we're talking about that with uh, ghost in the shell if i remember correctly but this is completely different so these clones kind of wake up and they're fully cognizant they have free will um when they figure out what's going on they have the capability to make decisions so they're not really bound by any sort of you know programming to where apart from biological programming obviously of a lifespan um they can do whatever they want with that span of time uh once they kind of find out you know what what actually is going on behind the scenes so absolutely i mean they're i think if they're capable of that free thought and their conscious entities, they're absolutely people. Okay. But I feel like that, to, to what Ben said, they're commodified because, yes, yeah, someone owns them and they've set up this massive facade to where ideally they would, would never find out what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but I don't think that that takes away from their capability of behaving in a certain way once they find that out. Obviously, they've got full, full thought. They have memories. Um, so, yeah, I think they are. So, Jason, if one of your clones just showed up at your house and started harassing your daughter, how would you respond? Because that's where it's going. This this property, this this thing, is going to go and try and be a father to something to a girl that no, he's he never really not doing said that. that. He's he realizes that she already has a dad. He's going home to try to bring to light what this corporation is doing and try to get people to stop doing it. No, they they say go meet her. The one of the one of the the older one is like go go see your daughter or something. Yeah, but he's not actually At going to do point. that. Yeah, he's the one who's already resigned to his fate. Yeah, even if he met her, that doesn't mean that he's going to try and shoehorn his way into. That was kind of my reading is that he he understands. Yeah, he understands what's going on at that point, and that's that's not what he's going to do. So he understands kind of the situation and that, okay, well, the real Sam is down there. This I, I'm just a clone. This isn't my family. These aren't really my memories. I've got three years left. What am I going to do with them? My so I don't think there's... My point, I think, still stands in that I, I know if I wouldn't want some clone of mine running around and i think it simply comes down to the fact that are they people quote unquote sure maybe but are they real are they human are they me no not at all because but they're going but they are copies of me and as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. I I was thinking about this before moon honestly. I don't know. My brain thinks about stupid shit sometimes. And some, and it came down to the idea that, uh, like, if I forget, what, oh, it was altered carbon. I think is what what I was thinking about it on. If I'm copied, if something happens, is it still me? Does that count? If I'm copied and then I die, but my consciousness is not carried over to that, am I still that? And and kind of my conclusion on that thought thought experiment that I had is is no, I'm not that. I'm not the copy. I will never be the copy. 
So as far as I'm concerned, as far as my legacy and my survival goes, because at the end of the day, humans are built on survival as survival creatures, that thing is an abomination and needs to be destroyed at the end of the day. <clears throat> I don't know. I think I think it all has to do with I think it all has to do with um, experience. If if when you died, your consciousness went into a blank slate body, and you continued on, it would still be you. Sure. Yeah. Or if a copy of your current consciousness, or however you want to say it, but if he's been living these last 10 years and a clone of him at that time comes down it's like a whole new person but it's and he's it, oh like you know in the in one case he's lived three years so he is been affected in a way that makes him a whole different person and the other guy i mean it's less time but it's still weeks and you know probably a month by the time he makes it down to earth but it's not a whole different person because it reacts the same way i would react if i was in that situation but I think the the difference, or at least the 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 line that I draw, is the clone understands that it is not the prime individual. Like the clone of Sam Rockwell understands that it's not you know the 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 prime mover. It's not the first. It is a clone. It recognizes that. It, it knows what it is. Sure. And I feel like in discovering that or like kind of you know seeing how the pieces fall behind the scenes is able to make a decision about what it's going to be or or who it's going to be for the remainder of i guess its lifespan so to me that's kind of what if if it came down and that sam clone had no idea and just showed up at the house obviously that's going to be a little bit different but the fact that the clone is able to it doesn't have programming that keeps it from i guess understanding or grappling with like the nature of its own reality uh the clone is able to to, to be self-aware i guess that's that's kind of what i'm getting at which is why i view it as uh, like having personhood or capable of personhood but but at the end of the, but that wasn't the, what i was saying is that does it does you think it deserves personhood deserves rights simply because it understands it shouldn't exist I think if something understands it shouldn't exist. It's a lie. I think if something understands that it shouldn't exist, it shouldn't exist. I think that's I think that's kind of the kind of the case for humanity sometimes. Well, it's not. But I guess my well, my view is that it's not. It's not the clone's fault. It exists. It, it, so to me, I mean, it's alive. You know, it, it, and that's kind of where my argument, I guess, differs from kind of uh, some of the other things we were discussing. Where if it was a robot body or like some sort of machine and a consciousness was kind of copied say ad infinitum or like put into a machine that's a little bit different but in this case it's a conscious living thing that by some miracle or abomination of science it's alive and it thinks and it feels and it's capable of that kind of conscious rational thought and free will so in my opinion it's alive whether or not it's an abomination i guess is another argument but it is alive yeah, I don't really understand how you can say that thing should just be shut down, even though it's essentially human. Yeah, it didn't choose to wake up, and the fact that it wakes up and it has to be told, you are the person you truly believe you are because you have every memory, and we have to trick you into just doing what we want you to do for the next three years. 
like the the fact that they have to continue the ruse because it's not like it's not some mindless drone created from a human it's a fully conscious mind that thinks it is that person so in it is essentially that person like a snapshot of that person at that time the deception is wrong i will agree with that the deception is wrong but what it what it is and what it is being used for as long as it's kept away from society i think it's it's fine at the end of the day i think it should be briefed on what has happened that was always my kind of like concept of that was my opinion of it at the end of it i was like i don't get why they're lying to this thing if they tell it that you are you are nothing your purpose is to be out here and mine helium 3 have fun i think it would have been a lot easier at the end of the day I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I that, don't. It almost seems like it's complicated. That sounds a lot yes. like slave labor, though. Like, but they're not human. They're clones. They're not real. But you're making a differentiation based on a conscious being that doesn't exist right now, versus like if that was a conscious being right in front of you, that's still a conscious being. I think you you but they're a copy of a conscious being. They are they are a less than original. They don't have the same rights. My clone does not have the same rights that I do as a person. I um I vastly disagree with that. Um <laughs> I would say I mean let's 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 talk seriously. Like let's talk seriously. If someone if 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 a baby Ben Young were created in a test tube Let's say you agreed to this, you consented, and a little baby Ben Young was made in a test tube, you know, adopted to some parents and, you know, everything like that. I feel like that person has personhood. Well, your your issue is the fact that a consciousness or a person has fake memories because their physical body did not experience the memories that they contain. Is that like the kind of the rubbing point? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I I don't like I don't like the idea of something thinking it's I don't like the idea that there is a Sam Bell running around thinking it is actually Sam Bell when it is not Sam Bell. It is something different. If it knew that it was different, if it knew it was a clone from the get go, then that would be different to you. Right. I mean, it still wouldn't get the same rights that a human does. So you're so if you if I told you right now that you are actually the clone of the real Ben Young. And all of all I'd, of what I'd happened a, a week my before, be <laughs> before last Monday, it'd be over. Yeah, you don't. Done. You don't even need to finish your sentence. It'd be over. I, <laughs> if I, if I found out I was a clone and that there was an original me running around, I'd be done. See, I would. percent. I would. What if he? What if? What if the? Wait, so, but, hang on. Just, just to kind okay, of top this off, you're saying it's okay to use clones as labor because they're not human. Yes. Okay. So Come you do on down to Ben Young's past, clone farm. In, in the past, <laughs> slavery was predicated on the fact that they weren't considered humans. Oh, come I on. mean, oh, that's a gotcha. That was what that's I was about gotcha. to go into. He's got him. That's what I was so about to get ben into. Ben Young is over. Check it out. One, the one thing I did want to bring up, just kind of off that last, you know, five minutes of discussion there. So Ben made a point that if... If when they woke up and they were told, you know, you're a clone, you're here on the moon, have fun, you're going to live for three years, you're going to die. It's just my thought. And again, there's nothing that can prove this or whatever. But my thought would be, 
on paper, it sounds like it might be more simple to do it that way, but I feel like if you have an entity that is a living, breathing, thinking human and is a snapshot of a real person at any point in time, you're going to have some pushback there. You're going to have some rebellion. So I feel like the reason that the ruse was kind of kept up and the facade was kept up in all these cases, and they went through this enormous effort in order to you know maintain the facade, it's because if you... If you had that, you're going to have some clones that are going to, you know, blow their heads off. You're going to have other clones that are going to try to push the system and they're going to, you know, rebel in some way, shape or form. I think that that's kind of what you would see. And again, I don't have any proof to that, but that's just kind of my gut feeling of what you would see if you tried to, I guess, be open and honest, which I think is the reason that, you know, they they kept up that ruse like they did. And that was such a big kind of cornerstone of the film. I agree with that. It's possible. I've been checkmated, so I can't. I have nothing else to say. At this point. <laughs> All right. I, I, well, that was, that was I, honestly, I can't. I can't I argue think with it. It would not go smooth. Well, that's what I was honestly gonna say. That's that's honestly what I was gonna say. I feel like the the main difference that a lot of people have is that. Uh, well, you know, why do people not care about this Sam Bell character on Earth because he's so far away? You know, out of sight, out of mind. Nobody cares. And so that 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 I mean, that's a lot of labor issues in the world right now right? Is that there are things that, you know, there are products and things that we use that's made by slave labor in prisons, that's made by slave labor in other countries. Oh, okay. Um, But, you know, there's, you know, like in American prisons, there's, you know, corporations that are using, you know, slave labor. And, you know, according to the 13th Amendment, that's okay, because it's in a prison person. But, you know, it's because we've dehumanized them in a way. So, you know, if you go off that idea, then, you know, the fact that Sam is a clone, Sam is far away, Sam is on literally the dark side of the moon, you know, like, we don't really care about Sam because he's not in any sort of scope of our life. And so that is kind of how we function as a society right now. The fact that I'm able to sit here with a computer with monitors, with a microphone, wearing clothes in a house is kind of based off of slave labor. It's honestly is. And the fact that I live off of that is kind of guilt. Gives me a lot of guilt, but it also is, you know, reality. It is what it is. And so, you know, there are, you know, that is kind of like one of those things they took away from Moon. That made me think of that from Moon. It's not what the movie's about. It's not what the movie's about. It's what it made me think about, you know? Well, and... And Bill, so that's perfect point too, because what does he do? What does the clone do at the end of the movie? It's on its way back. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I feel like that, you know, that kind of goes to show you it's hidden, you know, far side of the moon. We don't see it. It's out of sight, out of the mind. It's about to be very much in sight, very much in mind, um, yeah. just by kind of the nature of, I guess, the system breaking. Yeah. Yeah. There has been a push to move away from some of those practices, at least when. You know, at least I know there are there are many people who are pushing to to in their personal lives move away from it, and I know a lot of companies are mm-hmm. taking steps to try and spin this uh, spin this back around to a more humanized uh, system. So I definitely think that was in the right vein for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, that's, I think that, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a scenario that humans have been battling for a while. You know, it's like we use, and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because it's like, 
and I, I really don't want to get political with this, but it's very interesting. And it's not political. It's really, it's history. Is, you know, there was um, slave labor in America. You know, right here in America, there was slave labor for 200 years. And then we enslaved the machine. And the machine became that, that it industrialized us. And so the machines became that. And then we, you know, enslaved computers. And that was the, that was the thing that we used and exploited. And we're getting away from humans, but we're not there yet. You know, we've, we've, it's out of sight, out of mind. We don't care because it's not in front of us, but we still have evidence of it all around us. We have evidence of, you know, these sorts of things all around us. I mean, there are food companies that use prison labor. There are, you know, there are, you know, a whole bunch of different things. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, almost every single way, if you consider the Sam clones human or at least human adjacent, they are prisoners that are working for a corporation, which is very relevant to if you haven't watched the documentary 13th, watch it. It's very, very good. Um, and I definitely think that I know that that's not what this movie is about, but it's definitely what, what it made me feel as an audience. You know, as an audience member, that's what it brought away from it. I think that's relevant to what's going on in the world right now with dehumanization of black people in America. You know, the fact that, you know, there are people who consider, you know, systematically considered less than. And it's, you know, it's been something that has been brought to light in a very public way. So I don't know why I got on the, on that. It just happened. So, yeah, no, it's good shit, man. And there, there are, I know is, uh, it's not something I picked up, but I, I was reading, um, some like trivial facts about the movie and they kind of peppered it throughout the instrumentation and signage in the film. But there is a, like a, it's five dots, a dot with, a dot on each axis and that is kind of an underground symbol for the like for prison mm. and they pepper yeah. that throughout the like instrumentation on the i on mean the film, it's I guess. it's not subtle this is a prison you know it's mm. kind of Definitely. i mean it's not a punishment but it's you know and it, your prison. perception of like what makes it a prison shifts over the course of the film too which is interesting exactly exactly i just want to say theoretically i understand the point i do get it and i and i love it and i respect it and you were absolutely right that's that's the metaphor happening here i think i think my i was stuck on the practicality of it all at the end of the day it's like uh it's like how when i read superman comic books i love superman but if superman existed in real life i would be the first out on the line protesting that he go away so, you know, it's just because that's what it is. It's, it just is what it is. But theoretically, the metaphor for, for prison labor and slave labor, I get that part. But practica- practically, uh, I would shoot my clone. All right, folks, there you have it. <laughs> okay, Without second fair. thought. <laughs> ben Young hates anything uh, that tries to be human. I hate anything human. that threatens my humanity. Well, Ben, I have something to share with you. All of us are clones on oh. this episode. Bring in the real versions. Oh, <laughs> let's come on. Bring in the real oh, versions. Oh, damn, you got me. You got me. Oh, they're going to beat me right in the skull. Pippin just unzips his other hand. Ugh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> I have that yeah. Kelowna virus. Look at his. Look at him. Look at him. He's definitely oh, that's the like worst thing I, I've ever said. He's definitely like I am. A look at him. Sorry, that's a visual medium. That was you should yell at me that. No, in case in case you want to know in case you want to know what Pippin looks like, he, he looks like this. <laughs> that's it. There you go. Real quick, go around the table. Yep. And I mean real quick. Good sci-fi or bad sci-fi? Starting with Mark. Two words. Good sci-fi. Good film. Love it. No, it needed to be that Didn't quick. Didn't need to be that quick. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> he said quick, quick. <laughs> I know Miller, Miller uh, won't yeah, shut up. So there's a, a, oh, sorry. No, I was going to try to do my thing, but go ahead, Miller. By all means, keep talking. Oh, I was just going to say that there's going to be like a million, like there's going to be a cut of this that's just me with run-on sentences talking about determinism. But, uh... Um, yeah, no, great sci-fi. I've loved this movie for a really long time. This is one I've always wanted to cover with you guys, so I was kind of happy to see that it popped back up on the schedule. Great performances, uh, great work by Duncan Jones, really kind of creative, innovative, inventive, um great sci-fi i hope that he can kind of return to this in the future because i think he's a really talented guy all right thanks jason all right uh i would say good sci-fi i really enjoyed the premise uh it made me ask a lot of questions uh i love sam rockwell in it but the movie itself i had a hard time emotionally connecting with like the themes hit me hard but the movie itself i wasn't vibing with totally so i'd say Great sci-fi, good movie, still. Right, thank you, Matt. Oh, it's me. Matt, Matt just spoke. It's me now. Mm-hmm. He was thanking Matt. Oh, I thought you said thank you, Matt. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, good sci-fi. Um, I, you know, at the end of the day, it made me, quote-unquote, feel human um, just in kind of a different way than I think it, it was supposed to. But even now, discussing it and, and, and looking back on it, I enjoyed a lot of, of the film. I enjoyed Sam Rockwell. And even despite the inclusion of Kevin Spacey, I think it's a film worth looking at and, and talking about. And I'm glad we did it. Yeah, thank you, Ben. All right. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great sci-fi, great movie. I loved it. I enjoyed it. First time I saw it and rewatching it as well. Um, I remember the just just as a personal note for us, Kyle Holmes really loved this movie. He actually mentioned it to me one time. He was like, "Hey man, have you seen Moon?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, man." And uh, yeah, no, he he we talked we discussed it for a while. It's been something that's come up in a lot of conversations with a lot of friends. So and I think that makes that good sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Holmes gets the honorable mention. Now that I think about it, he's been yelling at me to watch it as well. Hey, yeah, thank you. Andrew? Um, I'm going to let my AI robot computer buddy uh, take over on this one. It was a good sci-fi. Unleash the clones. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, synthesized voice, Miller. Thank you. And uh, I will say that this was a good sci-fi. I enjoyed it. Love the aesthetic. Uh, Love how minimalist it was in uh, the production side of it as well. I think it was definitely $5 million well spent. Um, yeah. And I would also like to echo, I really hope that uh, Dougie Jones could make a comeback here. So we'll see. 
Do good things, Duncan. Do good things. Zoe Bowie. Um, all right, folks. There you have it. That is our take on... Only his dad yeah, calls true. him that. Called him that. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. Um, next week, we are going to be recording our... Uh, well, the most patriotic thing we've ever done. Uh, we will be doing Independence Day, so... I think this is the first Will Smith that we've done since Men in Black, which would be our third Will Smith sci-fi movie in the last year. Well, that's great. Hopefully, we can get one more before the year's out. Third, third of yeah. many. We'll do. We'll do After Earth. You know, I still wild, never wild, saw wild. After Earth. I, I'm curious. Wow, wow, wow! It's Scientology yeah. propaganda. That's what I've heard, but I'm still curious to at least watch it. <laughs> All right. Wicky wow, wicky wow. All right, wow, wow West, Jim West, Desperado. Ben, what can people do on Sundays? <laughs> on Sundays, if you like fantasy and or Dungeons and Dragons and or people yelling about rules, you could check us out at Once Upon a Tavern at twitch.tv slash once underscore upon underscore a underscore tavern or on facebook.com slash once upon a tavern. We dual stream to Facebook and Twitch. Uh, next week, uh, they're going to try and, or this Sunday, they're going to try and open the gate to New Praxia, so it'll be fun. Wait, how do you uh, grapple yeah. again? Wait, we haven't done that yet. How do you Jesus. Again? <laughs> Save hey. it for Sunday. <laughs> Save hey, it for the Phil. stream. Say somebody <laughs> wants more than just the weekly releases. They want to listen to more sci-fi cross sections and or support us financially. What can they do? Well, then go to your browser right now and type in patreon.com forward slash sci-fi cross sections and uh, you can uh, check it out. Support us, please. Um, That's the number one thing you get to support us. And what we do, if you enjoy this podcast, then please do. And you also get some neat little bonuses, such as bonus content that I I record a futurism podcast. And then there's also some other stuff, some bonus episodes that we do as well. We get some good content on there and then you'll have access exclusive access to that if you go to uh, patreon.com forward slash sci-fi cross sections thank you sir uh it's worth noticing also could cut in really quick uh our tier that uh accesses our bonus content has been lowered by five bucks so it's now only five bucks a month five bucks bucks to get all that content for just 30 cents a day you can no one cast should have all that 30 cents a day you can you can sponsor a boy (laughs) i need more and more food uh all right jason do you have anything you want to plug yeah, uh, if you like uh, punky thrash metal, um, my friends and I in the band Wraith just released a split with a band from Australia called Bastardizer. Uh, the vinyl sold out in less than a day. That was pretty cool. Um, but it got really good reviews on the interweb so far, so check it out. It's called Speed Armageddon. It's on Spotify. Uh, do a lot of rippy, shreddy, whittly waddly solos. Um, so that is out right now and then uh, within a week should have a new Minds Horizon tune that's my prog metal band the opposite end of the spectrum but should have a new song coming out as well on streaming services so check her out alright folks unless anybody else wait 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 everyone I have breaking news I have breaking sci-fi news uh, Netflix has just announced that 20 years after the original was released a chicken run 2 is now in production <gasps> Is Mel Gibson going to be in it? The world is not ready for that. 
it's going to be Mel Gibson and Kevin Spacey. Sorry, We're not Colin. Ready. We don't deserve it. Y'all are in fine. Why, why though? Um, <laughs> Did they really think okay, this yeah. is what the world okay. needs right now? And if you like watching, if you like... Hi. Do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> it's Andrew Miller. <laughs> Hey folks, we've had fun this evening. Let, let's get real here. I'm streaming again uh, under uh, uh, twitch.tv uh, slash insert underscore game underscore here. Uh, you, can, you can hear me. You can hear more of me as if you couldn't get enough of me. <laughs> that's, the, that's the second time Back I've cried loud. That wasn't as good as Chicken Run 2. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks there you have it that's all i got for you tonight so until next time <laughs>